Hey, and welcome to Becca Babbles Podcast, the show where I will teach you to be the best version of yourself by learning about yourself, body, and the world around you, or at the very least, give you a good laugh. I'm your host, Becca. Now let's get babbling. Hi, and welcome back to Becca Babbles Podcast. This is going to be part two of my eating disorder story. And I highly recommend that you listen to part one because you'll be very lost and you'll kind of need to know an idea of where I'm at right now. But I'll give a little bit of a recap. So basically, my parents have told me, you're going to a treatment center, whether you like it or not. And I'm currently in Arizona, where my grandma lives. And I was writing in my journal, basically stating how I don't think that I'm really that sick and I'm thinking about running away. And I know I was joking at the beginning how I was being dramatic, but I kid you not, I was actually thinking about running away. I had told my mom that I was thinking about going on a walk because I was like, gotta get that movement in before we get into the car and drive for who knows how long. And I don't know what this treatment center is going to make me do. And all I care about is getting in the most amount of steps ever. Because that was my only goal at the time. (laughs) And then I was walking and I was like, I could just keep walking and never turn back. I could keep going. Thankfully, I had some sense in my mind at that point and I decided to turn back because then that would have just made the scenario a whole lot worse. But when we had got to the treatment center, I kept telling myself, they're not going to admit me in here. This is just going to be like a when you go off to go look at colleges and you're like, hmm, is this the right fit for me? They're like actually not going to make me go here. That's what I kept telling myself and I kept saying, oh, I'm not really that sick. They'll realize once we get here that I'm not that sick. Complete denial. Totally. And then they signed a few papers and the next thing I know, the nurse tells me, okay, it's time to say your goodbyes. And I'm just kind of like, wait, what? So I still cringe every time I think about this. But when I had to hug my parents and say goodbye it was one of the hardest moments of my life I remember the nurse having to pull me away from my dad because I just did not want to let go I didn't know what was gonna happen I didn't know how long I was gonna have to leave them for I was terrified because I knew the treatment center wasn't going to do anything bad to me but like part of me was also thinking I have no idea what's gonna happen and I might be being admitted into a place that's this like crazy psych psych ward that you see on tv and they're gonna like strap me to a bunch of stuff and torture me that was obviously not the case but that was what was going in my mind and I just felt complete betrayal by my parents at that point which really it wasn't betrayal they were doing the best that they were or they were doing what was right for me at that point but I didn't want to see it then the nurses did took my vitals at this point I was my lowest weight obviously I'm not gonna say numbers because I just don't think that's healthy for people's recovery if they're listening to that and I will say that my resting heart rate was even lower it was in the low 30s 
which if you listen to my last podcast, basically your heart is working overdrive to just keep you alive. So after they had taken my vitals, this nurse had sat me down and was like, okay, eat this plate of food. You have 30 minutes and just eat as much as you feel like it. And I'm just like, wait, so you're just going to watch me eat food. And she just looked at me, started a timer. And all I remember is these gray noodles that were in front of me. And I was like, okay. So I started eating. And then after that, I was taken downstairs to where I got to meet all these girls. And shout out to any of the girls who went to this treatment center that I met. You know who you are. I love you guys so much. And you were a very important part in my journey. And I hope you're doing amazing. But anyways, besides that, they would make us do these tests or challenges. And of course, lucky me. The first day that I was there, the challenge was to have a dessert, or that's usually what most of the challenge were, and the dessert was to eat cheesecake. Now, you might be thinking, cheesecake? That sounds amazing. Why would you, like, be freaking out about that? Well, for me, one, cheesecake has dairy in it, and that was a thing that I told myself that I couldn't have, and B, because cheesecake was one of those things someone had told my mom that oh feed her cheesecake because it helps her gain weight and it'll be good for her and I was just like I don't know where this guy's evidence came from or why he chose cheesecake I'm assuming because it was like a higher calorie dense food so my mom would buy cheesecake and then try and make me eat it and then I was like heck no and all I could equivalent cheesecake with was immediately gaining a whole bunch of weight. So the fact that I had to do that on my first day, I was like, are you kidding me? But besides that, I literally wrote everything down. I kid you not, I have almost four and a half journals filled from just being in treatment. The reason why I wrote everything down was because this lady who had been there before had told me you're gonna want to write everything down and I think she just told me this just to like feel comfortable being there looking back at the memories and also just seeing where my mindset was which is a great thing because I do look back and still see that but then I kind of took it to the extreme to where I'd get to the end of the day and my hand would be hurting so bad and I remember almost having this anxiety because I was like, I got to write everything down. I got to get everything down. I'm not going to be able to write everything that we did or everything that I ate or whatever feeling I was feeling, which I look back and it's like, Rebecca, it's completely fine. But I do see how it also gave me a sense of control while I was there, which was something that I completely lost while I was in treatment. So that kind of helped too. I also think it's kind of funny. The nurses would have to write what we were doing. So if we were in school, they'd be like, oh, she's sleeping. The therapist might want to talk about that. But for me, 
they would probably always write down, oh, she's journaling. And she's, I don't know what they were thinking, but they were probably thinking like, oh, she must be doing so well on her recovery and her mental health. Meanwhile, they just don't know that I'm ranting and raving about, or not ranting and raving, I'm just ranting about how I hated being there, how I shouldn't have been there, and the food that I was having to eat. But one of the main things that I wrote about all the time which I think is really funny, and I still hate it to this day, was this dumb golf cart. I think this golf cart should be caught on fire. I hate it still. But because I was so low weight and they were trying to restore my weight, they made me go on this golf cart. So if we were to walk to school, they would even have us do this 10-minute walk once a week, I think. I would have to sit on this golf cart. And by by knowing me from my other podcast, you would know that I constantly like to move. So being told to sit on this golf cart, eat more food than I've probably eaten before, that was driving me crazy. The worst part was, is that I still didn't think that I was that sick compared to those other girls. I would compare myself and be in complete denial that I didn't, I wasn't that bad. And I would sit in this golf cart and then there would be girls that got on it and then they would get off in like two days or maybe a week. And I would be so frustrated because I would be like, why am I not getting off this dumb golf cart? I can't explain to you how many times I wrote about this golf cart, but it still gets me all fired up. But another thing that I wrote about was having to get a tube in. This is going to be a little graphic, so like maybe skip for the next couple of seconds. But if you don't know what a tube is, it's basically where you they put a tube up your nostril and then it goes up to the top of your nose and then goes back down through your throat into your esophagus or down your throat and then into your stomach. And while you're sleeping at night, they would feed you nutrients because they already realize how overwhelming eating all this food is. And the funny thing is, is I think back to how much food I was eating and I actually really wasn't eating. Like, I'm pretty sure I either eat, I probably eat more now than what I ate there, which is probably a good thing. Or no, it is a good thing. So anyways... I was told by the dietitian that, Rebecca, it would be a good idea that you get this tube in. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm already being told to sit on this golf cart that I don't think I need to be sat in or sat on, sat, to be in. And then now you're telling me I need a tube. And at this point, I really just wanted to be home by Christmas. So I had asked her, will I be home by Christmas? And she had said it would, she wouldn't say for sure, but she said it would be a higher probability that I'd be home by Christmas if I did this. So I decided to get the tube in and Thanksgiving came and I was a little disappointed that I wouldn't be home for Thanksgiving, but I kind of already knew since I was admitted at the beginning of November. So that obviously wasn't going to happen, but then Christmas came. And I was still there. Honestly, that was 
a really hard time for me because I always loved Christmas, but it gave Christmas a whole new meaning when you don't get to see your family. When you're told that you have to go through all these challenges and I'm already in a really sad mindset dealing with basically all of my biggest fears being completely out of control and then I don't even have the fun Christmas lights the fun Christmas music the the parties the um seeing family and then the day when it gets to Christmas it just puts this extra level of sadness on top of it thankfully the nurses did their best to try and keep everything cheery and stuff but it's just it's not the same so it gave me a whole new appreciation for Christmas and just seeing my family but my dad I told him that you have to keep the Christmas lights up and the Christmas tree up until I get home he didn't know when I was going to get home but thankfully he decided to keep those up and I appreciate that so much because it was a really nice welcome home to just see all the lights on and all the happiness around. I did eventually get off the golf cart, so that was great. But one thing I did want to point out that I think is really significant is that I even told one of the therapists that I don't think I'm recovering for myself. And she had said, why do you say that? And I said, I... they." When you go to eat the food, they would give you a timer of 30 minutes to eat your food. And then if you hadn't finished eating, then they would give you what's called insure. And I, you would have to drink that in substitute to not eating your food. And if you didn't do that, then you would be cut from activities or stuff like that. I'm not really sure exactly what would have happened if you didn't do that by that point, but cuz no one really got to that point, but usually it was just like okay, we realize eating this food might be hard, so maybe having liquid calories would make it easier. So I had told the counselor or the therapist that I'm not recovering for myself. I just I don't want it to be harder on the other nurses. I don't want to make commotion. I know my parents want to see me feel better and I still don't think that I'm that bad. I'm kind of just doing it so I don't make things worse. And she had told me, you're not going to truly recover until you do it for yourself. And at that point, I was like, okay, Rebecca, you've got to realize that you have to do this for yourself and I had told myself that and I had thought that I had realized that but looking back I really didn't do recovery for myself yet I was kind of just let's get out of here let's get home and be done with all this treatment stuff the ironic thing though is that when they had told me that I could leave I was like, wait, what? (laughs) I was not ready to leave. I didn't want to go home. I got so used to being in treatment and I hated the challenges and I didn't like doing them, but at least I knew when it was coming and I had all this support around me. The only thing that I can compare this to is when you go off to church camp, it's kind of similar to that when they're like, oh, you're on this high and then you like, 
get back home and it's going to be real life, but just make sure you keep up that practice. And it definitely felt like that, but to another extreme. So I did go home and it was really weird. I felt like I had this secret that I didn't know everyone else knew. I knew my body had changed and at this point I kind of felt like I had gained like a million pounds when honestly I probably just looked like a normal human being. Yes I was extremely bloated but that was mostly just because my body was trying to use all these nutrients that I was finally giving it and repairing my heart, my liver, all the things that were not in pure function or functioning well because I had starved myself for so long. What's actually really interesting is I had had the dietitian talk to me multiple times and this was even after I had gotten the tube in asking me if I was exercising on the sidelines and I was telling her why would you think that and she's like because Rebecca we've added in more supplements you have a tube and your weight is still plateauing and I was just like I don't know what to tell you and looking back it's probably because my metabolism kept adapting and then the funny thing was is that I was so hungry I didn't want to admit that I was hungry, but I was so hungry. I We would eat and then I could either feel like I could eat more or like 30, maybe even 10 minutes later, I was like, I could eat again, but I'm too terrified to do that. So that just shows you that my body was like craving that food and needed that food because of all the starvation that I had put it through, but I just didn't want to listen to it. Anyways, back to being back at home. I want to say that I really appreciate my tennis coach. He really helped bring me back into the cycle of school, find, give me a place to just kind of feel like a free person and just do what I wanted to do back in sports. He still kind of kept an eye on me, making sure that I wasn't doing anything dumb, but I do really appreciate that he gave me this space to just be like, hey, I'm here for you for whatever you need or if you want to talk to someone and this is just a place that I want you to feel welcomed to be at. But I still felt really awkward at school and I just wanted to keep my head down and just get through school and get through summer. While I was going through school, I had to go to what's called a PHP program, which is a almost, I want to call it a daycare for people with eating disorders, but that sounds really bad. It's basically where you go and you have one meal there with people who are still recovering from their eating disorder and you do some therapy stuff, you talk with these girls and you just, you have extra support so you you don't feel like you got out of there, you got out of treatment and then they just like threw you off into the wild and you have to survive by yourself. But they really wanted me to find a dietitian and a therapist, which was really hard for me to find. I went from therapist to therapist, which I think is really important because there was a point where I almost just settled on a therapist just so I didn't have to find another one. But it is really important to find someone who you click with and who you feel like you can open up with because then you're not really going to get the healing or the growth that you're looking for if you're looking for a therapist. But the dietitian was also something that was really hard for me to find for an even longer time, which 
kind of didn't help the situation because I started going back to my old habits. I was like, oh, there's not a nurse watching me. So like I could start adding in another workout. That's healthy. I could do another walk. I could make this walk longer. I started adding in more of those Pinterest workouts again. I started, I think there was, I think this was at this time. Yeah. Where I saw these Instagram ads about this like jump rope that had weights on it and I was thinking ooh, cardio and weights that means I'm gonna get like super muscular like an athlete but also have that cardio and then like burn all those calories which like is not how it works and I'm really happy that I did not decide to buy those weighted jump ropes but I was also super obsessed with walking again I found myself walking all the time almost being paranoid especially because I didn't have a Fitbit so I couldn't be constantly checking it and I thought this was all okay because I was following the meal plan they gave me but that meal plan was specifically for being in treatment and I wasn't doing all that activity and even then I feel like my meal plan even needed to have more because of how hungry I was and I was just letting myself like I would look at the clock and be like, okay, you have three hours until you're allowed to eat lunch again. Or not again, but like eat lunch, which is crazy. It's just like, Rebecca, maybe just like have a snack or something, or maybe your breakfast needs to be bigger. But that terrified me because I was scared that I was going to gain more weight. And I didn't want that to happen because I already felt like I had gained enough. But this time I was drinking more water again, which isn't a bad thing, but like, doing it to an extreme to mask my hunger. I was body checking all the time. I had asked my mom to buy gum and I'm talking the Costco size where it's like multiple packs of gum. And I would go through that thing maybe in less than a month. And I would tell my mom it's because, oh, I'm sharing it with friends. When in actuality, it was like, no, I was eating so much gum just so I didn't have to eat. But on the bright side, I did start finding these girls on YouTube who had eating disorders and were able to recover from their eating disorders through weightlifting. And I was like, this is pretty cool. So I started getting introduced into that and I was getting interested in maybe thinking about weightlifting and changing from always doing the cardio-based stuff and running. I think I was running a few times at this point, but it wasn't an everyday thing, which Thankfully, I wasn't doing that. I also started finding people on Instagram who really inspired me to go into weightlifting or just find a healthier mindset when it comes to exercise and the food that you're eating. Shout out to Imperfectly Paige. If you are not following her, she gives great fitness advice. She gives great food ideas and food Uh, recommendations and your mindset around food without making it super restrictive. I also started finding a lot of health and fitness podcasts. This was the time where I really started diving into podcasts, especially because I started working at the horses, which was a great place for me to be after school, especially when my PHP program was over. It gave me something to look forward to after school where I could just chill out and be with animals and 
be to myself, (laughs) even though I was listening to these podcasts. The only thing was, is I didn't have a car. So my dad would have to pick me up and I would use this to my advantage. And I would tell my dad, hey, just finished. But really, I had already walked around the horses for 10 minutes and knew at that point it would take my dad 15 minutes about 15 minutes to get to the horses. So that would give me another 15 minutes of walking or I'd do like suicides outside of the the barn while I waited for him, which was not good. Thankfully, though, I finally found a dietitian. So that was great. She got me on track so much because if I hadn't, I probably would have relapsed, which I also want to insert. If you do relapse, Do not feel shame about that. I know so many people who have gone through relapse. That doesn't mean that you failed. You can come back perfectly fine. And that's just a part of your journey that you might have to experience. But that doesn't make you a failure. So anyways, she helped me work through my lowest of lows and get me back on track She helped me change my mindset about food and encouraged me to add in more food, especially when it came to when I wanted to work out. At that point, I hadn't been lifting weights and she had told me that she might have to take away working out, which she really didn't want to because she saw how important it was for me through my recovery because I kept telling myself I was such an active person and identifying with being an active person, but I also truly did enjoy the sports that I was doing and the activity that I was doing. But at one point that working out did have to be taken away and then realizing that if I wanted to lift weights, I was going to have to eat the food. And we would go through so many conversations on how with why are you controlling this food? What is making you feel safe with controlling this food? And just kind of going back into how what food actually provides for you and how you shouldn't always be fearing every single piece of food that you're being put into your mouth. Then I started finding content after content for weights and I was just like, okay, I got to do this thing. So thankfully I got to a weight that allowed me to start lifting weights. The thing was, is I was saving up my money to work with this personal trainer, but obviously being a student, I only had a certain amount of money. So I was like, hey, could you like write me a workout that I could do at the gym near my house? And so she had given me a workout plan and I found these Instagram workouts that were like split workouts where it's arm workout, back workout, leg workout, push, pull, and all this stuff. And... I know some people do the workout splits, but what I started doing is taking this workout and then just exchanging workouts and being like, this is my arm workout. This is my bicep and tricep workout. And it would just be full of supersets and it ended up being two to three hours at the gym. Now, some people I know are at the gym for two to three hours because they're talking a lot. They have longer rest periods, but... I think my rest periods were max a minute at this point. And doing all supersets, it was basically cardio with weights at that point, And I wasn't getting any stronger. Then I found Mind Pump. 
And if any of you guys know me, you know that I rant and rave about Mind Pump all the time. So they are this podcast or it's these three guys that are personal trainers who talk about fitness and honestly their daily lives at this point. And they joke around and it kind of just felt like I had three older brothers who went to the gym and were giving me fitness advice. And they really encouraged me to add food, rest, and recover to lift weights. They also taught me how to have an actual program and to start squatting, deadlifting. I was doing pull-ups at that point. I'm trying to think of or benching and rowing and all that fun stuff. The barbell is great, just saying. And the only thing was was that my form wasn't that great. I look back at squat videos and I just, I cringe. But you know, you got to start somewhere. And if that means that your form isn't that great, just please video it and then realize you need to drop the weight. I was also being very, what's the word? I was letting my athlete, athlete mindset drive me and think, oh, I can just lift all this weight and it's going to be perfectly fine because I'm an athlete and strong, not realizing that I've basically broken down my body and I was letting my ego take control of my workouts and thinking that I didn't need to do the simpler workouts, which do what's best for your body, please. They also encouraged me to work on mobility, uh, fix my nutrition, add in more carbs. Carbs was something that I was really terrified of adding in. They also made me realize how important sleep was. I was sleeping because I was exhausted because I would run my body ragged, but I didn't realize that maybe I should have like a sleep routine. Maybe I should realize that I shouldn't wake up super drowsy. Which at this point, I think I was still running off of cortisol, so I didn't really wake up drowsy, but I definitely had some dip in energy. The only thing was, is I was still really rigid with everything. I was resting, but only when sleeping, and I was still constantly walking around. I would also listen to other health and fitness podcasts like I was talking about, and even Mind Pump would talk about this a little bit, but... There was talk of fasting, keto, more movement because movement, more movement is always better. And I would give myself excuses like, oh, I'm waking up at five o'clock in the morning doing all this movement and it's okay because I'm just fasting and wouldn't eat till like 10 in the morning, but be starving by that point. I'd also... I don't think this makes it keto, but it made me fear carbs even more. So if my dietitian did want to add in another exchange, she would probably recommend carbs, especially because of all the activity I was doing. But I would be like, no, let's just add in some more fat. And she would balance that out with how many about how many calories that I needed. And at this point, I was making more gym friends, which did make the gym a more positive atmosphere for me and made it more encouraging. Then I, I had to get my wisdom teeth out, and that was really tough for me. And like I had said before, I still think I wasn't recovered. 
I think I was just doing all these things so I didn't have to go back to treatment. So when I had to get my wisdom teeth taken out, my mom and even the doctor sat me down and told me, Rebecca, you are going to have to rest for a week, not go to the gym. And I literally laughed in their face and I was like, um, no, I could at least still do yoga. And they're like, no, you are going to get dry socket if you do not sit and chill out. So I probably did that for like two days. Thank goodness I didn't get dry socket. But the days that I didn't do that much movement, I would cut my food down. Even if I was hungry, I was like, nope, Rebecca, you're not allowed to eat because you don't deserve to eat because you didn't do enough movement today. Even though you're hungry, you don't deserve to eat, which is completely wrong. Then this was all right before COVID. I forgot to mention that. So I had already kind of just been quarantined for a week. And then the pandemic happened and they said that everything was shut down. And I was like, are you kidding me? I've been waiting this whole week to go to the gym so I can work out and get back on my schedule. And then that's when bad habits just started rolling back in. I was doing workout after workout again. There was this whole big thing of splitting up your workout. So you'd have your normal workout and I would have to use resistance bands because I didn't have weights at this point at my house. And I would think, oh, this isn't enough. I'm not working hard enough. These body weight movements aren't super difficult. And I would split up these two workouts, but then I would add on to them. And then I would see this other fitness influencer post a workout. So I was like, oh, I'll add that one in. And then I'd have the horses and I'd walk at the horses. Then I'd walk before school and do handstands. And it was just a hot mess. I don't even know how I got school in there. I would tell myself if I wasn't on video, I would do school for like 40 minutes. And then after that, for 10 or 15 minutes, I had to do some sort of exercise, which is crazy. And I'm pretty sure if the gym didn't reopen, I might have relapsed if I didn't get some sort of encouragement back in, which is not what I should have needed. I should have realized that Rebecca just eating the doing what you were doing would have been completely fine. Not the like crazy workout stuff, but if I would have just stuck stuck with that one workout, done my normal thing, that is enough and that is okay. But the gyms did reopen and I met even more gym friends. It kind of gave the gym a whole new sense of meaning for me because I would meet these people and I would talk to them a lot and all they cared about was how much weight you were lifting, getting stronger, and just moving that bar up, which I thought was awesome. I was like, this is great. No one really cared how you looked. Yes, there was like some flexing in the mirror and stuff like that, but it was mostly just let's just see how good your movement can be and how much weight you could lift, which was super important for me in my recovery. I think that it took me off the mindset of completely always just seeing how just vis- just always wanting to see those body changes and body checking and just being like, okay, is this weight, is my weight increasing? At this point, I started consuming more and more health and fitness content and I realized how important it was for me to get my cycle and I realized I hadn't had my cycle and I think this was going on for about five years now and 
I don't want to just say that I wanted my cycle because I wanted to have the choice to have kids. I actually would always say I wanted to be the cool aunt with dogs. But after listening to all this content about how important your period is, it's really a vital sign from a female's body telling you how your body is functioning. If your body doesn't feel safe, it will shut off your period. I want to do a whole podcast about how important your period is, why it's important to have your period, and kind of the signs on realizing what you need to do to fix or if things are lagging behind. But I won't get too much into that now. (laughs) Anyways, I realized how much I wasn't resting and that I needed to rest. But I didn't want to give up the gym. So I stopped walking at the horses. I stopped doing my morning walks. But nothing was really changing. I even made my gym workouts longer. And all it really did was allow me to talk to my gym friends more. Which was great for like social reasons. But not really for getting my cycle back and giving up the gym was probably one of the hardest things for me I was not only afraid of how my body would look once I left the gym but also losing the friendships that I made were I don't know why I was worried about this but worried about what they would have thought because I left and if I was to come back, if they would judge me, which honestly, they wouldn't. They would just probably be like, hey, you're back. This is awesome. Or I've missed you or whatever. And then I was also terrified on how weak I would become. I didn't want to feel like I needed people to depend on me like I did in treatment. And I didn't want to seem like this bump on a log. I think in the back of my head, I always feel like I have to be go, 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 be this super productive person and this active person, which is something I really identified with at the time. And if I had taken that away, then like, who am I? But I'm really happy that I did end up giving up the gym because it was so worth it. I finally got my period back and I'm still trying to find the balance with that and figuring that out, but we're working on it. It's a work in progress and I did start doing more brain rewiring. I started journaling more. I was having deeper conversations with my therapist. I also started calling myself out on the dumb things that I was doing or the things that I would say aren't disordered but really were and were keeping me in that quasi recovery. I also getting my period back also gave me a meaning of like doing recovery for me. Because getting my cycle back wasn't, no one else really cared about that, (laughs) if I'm being honest. That was something for me. And it really made me realize that if I'm saying that I want to work for my health, be the healthiest person that I could be, if I don't have my cycle back, then I'm just completely lying to every single person that I'm coming up to. And I also realized I was feeling better. Like I had mentioned before, I was completely running on cortisol. So I hit this really big dip of like no energy because my body was just on all these stress hormones to get me going. 
I also realized that I was thinking clear. I always felt like I had this like fog or bubble around my head and I was present. But then I also had this like thing in the back of my head of like, when's the next time I'm going to eat food? And I would allow myself to eat the meal planned portion food that I had for myself, but I would never want to exceed that. And I would always want to have it at this certain meal time. But at this point, it was like I could I could go a little bit longer or I could I could still I didn't have to always think about when's my next meal, if that makes sense. And with that, I also wasn't cold all the time. I found myself where I would always be that person who if there was the tiniest breeze in the air, I would be freezing to death and I would always have to have a jacket, but now I don't. I actually, it's kind of funny. I get in the car now with my dad and I make him turn on the AC right quick because it's like too hot for me. And I also found that my goal for the day wasn't just to do the most amount of exercise that I could do and eat the least amount of food. My goal for the day was not just to survive. It was actually to live a life and do all the amazing things that I want to do now and be able to focus on anatomy and physiology. I don't know how I got through high school with studying with all that brain fog, but thankfully I decided to do this because studying for college is just a whole new level that I need the focus for. And then in addition to that, once I finally got back into lifting weights, my lifts started improving. I don't think I mentioned this, but I felt like I was stalling a lot in my weights. It like I was putting in all this effort and I was working so hard and I just I wanted that weight to go up and I wanted to increase weight so bad. But my form would either break down or just felt like I couldn't even lift any more weight. Like I've said before, I can have this very athlete competitive mindset And that can get you far, but there's a point to where your body's just saying no. And that's what my body was telling me at that point because I didn't want to work with it. And I even found that my mobility was improving because it's not just about flexibility when it comes to mobility. It's also about the strength that you build within that. So like I said, once I started resting, it was like, oh, hey, we actually can do the things that you want to do. But With all that to say, I am really grateful that I went through everything that I did go through. I know it was hard, but honestly, it lets me connect with you guys and understand where you're coming from. If you're struggling from an eating disorder, feeling like you're not enough, or just worried about the future. I know within my eating disorder journey, I felt like I didn't really have a friend to reach out to or friends to support me and I just want to be that person for you through whatever you're going through and feel like you have someone there to listen to or even just relax and just like zone out for however long these podcasts are going to end up being. But I also want people to realize that Health and fitness is not just about working out and eating the cleanest food. It's really about 
the mindset that you have. And if you don't have a healthy mindset, then nothing's really going to flow in your life and feel that great. You're always just going to feel stuck and like there's something better out there that you feel like you'll never be able to achieve. And with that, it also comes with feeling that your mindset shouldn't be set around fear, guilt, and shame. I think there's a lot of things that we go through in life where fear and shame is built behind it. And that shouldn't be the main motivator for whatever you're doing. And especially when it comes to your health and fitness journey. I also hope this podcast encouraged you to stay on track with whatever you're doing and whatever is right for you. I want you to know that even if you're going through something super duper hard, it's going to be so worth it coming out of it. I know for me, the hardest things that I went through coming out of it and looking back on it, I am so grateful that I went through them and I grew so much as a person afterwards. And... I just want you to know that you can do it and just keep going and that you've got this and that you're so much more than your body, your grades or your job or whatever status you have. So just keep doing it. You're great. You can get through it. And lastly, I just want to thank you for listening to this podcast. I know it was a long story and I appreciate you listening to listening to any of it, honestly. And I I just would like if you would rate and review this podcast that helps other people find this podcast and hear the things that I need to say. And also, I want to hear your feedback. How can I improve in this podcast? What you like about this podcast? What you don't like about this podcast? And screenshot and share it on your social media and tag me at Rebecca.8 and email me at beccababblespodcast at gmail.com with any questions or topics you want me to talk about. I really want this podcast to be interactive and be what you guys want to hear and listen to. Lastly, I hope you have an amazing day and I can't wait to babble with you next time.